I'm like sitting on the bench, just like, this is unreal. Like the fact that, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was like in the stands, like watching summer league being like, wow, this is so cool. All these players. And now I'm like working for a team sitting on the sideline, watching this insane game. Like it was a total like goosebump, unreal moment. Hunter Eisenhower, performance coach and sports scientist for, for the Sacramento Kings, having some stops at UC Davis, Southeastern Louisiana, and Minnesota State Mankato, playing basketball at Seattle Pacific, spending a lot of time in Minnesota, but I think you're from Arkansas. I don't really know how that works, but I'm oh, excited to learn. Alaska. Ala oh, AK. Oh, yeah. yeah. Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. I, I am the first to admit geography is not my strong suit. Alaska, <laughs> Minnesota, all those cold places. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So then California must have been a little culture shock. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I spent a lot of time in California growing up, so I was kind of used to it and used to the warm weather. And by the time I moved away from Alaska, I was ready to get away from the cold. Oh, I bet. I um, He is the sole, sole creator of Partner Combatives, Wink. No one else. Shout out Mike Sullivan. Shout out Coach Mike Sully. Um. <laughs> and uh, and a dabbler in the podcast world, which we will not get into. But uh, shout out to Coach Mike Sully, who kind of brought us together, sure. uh, having some some cool stops along the way. Mike Mike hyped you up, and uh, and I liked our our first unofficial chat, and uh, and I'm excited just to hear firsthand something a, a little different. So having sure. uh, experience at multiple levels, um. And now kind of in the NBA, just to kind of compare and contrast, but also everything that's led you to now. So is there anything I forgot and tell me something good that's going on in your life? Uh, I don't think you forgot anything. I've, I've moved around the country quite a bit. As you said, I went from Seattle where I played college basketball and did a bunch of internships, Minnesota State Mankato for a GA, Southeastern Louisiana, UC Davis. And then I was able to not have to move at all and end up. Yeah, I heard that. Things. Yeah. Um, I actually got closer to home. My commute got shorter. So it was like probably the first time in strength and conditioning history. Somebody got a a different job and got closer to home. But um, yeah, you covered it all. I, I would say something good going on in my life. Me and my wife just had our first baby. Um, she's eight weeks old. It's been so fun. The first two weeks was so overwhelming, but I feel like we've kind of gotten into a little bit of a rhythm and it's been just freaking awesome. Quick learner. Quick learner. Yeah. Congrats. Have to be. Very exciting. So first, yeah. I've only started asking these first two questions of the more recent episodes, mm -hmm. but not to turn this into an obvious therapy session, but <laughs> like, I just think it's so interesting, but also eye opening once you like realize like, oh, that moment was actually like really big and it's tough to connect, connect the dots in the moment. And it often happens months or even years after. So first kind of what, what were your parents like? Some of the biggest things they kind of taught you and now that you're an adult and a dad yourself, mm -hmm. kind of have you reflected on, on some stuff like that? Yeah, I, I really like this question because like it allowed me to like reflect a little bit and like realize some things. And I think that like the first thing I think about when I think about my parents is they're both just like extremely hardworking people. Um, and like starting with my mom, like she raised me as a single mom, me and my sister. And like the two things I think about when I think about my mom are hardworking and selfless. Like mm. statement, like she would literally give you her last dollar or the shirt off her back is like the most 
prominent thing when I think about my mom. And like, she was also just so hardworking. Like I wanted to play basketball and I played AAU and playing AAU in Alaska, like is not easy. You fly to the, um, you fly to Vegas, you fly to Southern California for a month, month and a half. And like, she funds all this and she was just extremely hardworking and selfless my entire life. And I think that like reflecting on those things, that's qualities I want to have now as a, as a father. Um, and then when I think about my dad, like super hardworking guy, but something that like sticks out with me even to this day is like, he's really productive. And I think that some people might say he's like a busybody. Like he could just like never set still and always wants to have a project and always wants to be working on something. And I find myself being like the exact same way. I'm always like, I think, I think it is more so in like the coaching realm, but it's like, I want to be doing the next, uh, like thing. I want to be reading the next book. I want to be networking with the new person. I want to be, um, doing the new course and just like being productive. I hate just like complacency and being still. And I want to be able to continue to like advance. Um, and I think that like seeing him do all that my whole life has like led me to kind of being like that as well. Mm -hmm. Some people may say like obsessive and a busybody, but I think like the positive way is saying productive. Yes, just it's 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 all about how you spin it. But with all those qualities, it sounds like you uh, you picked a profession that lines up pretty well. I mean, yeah, it does. And I think that like we'll get into this later in the podcast of like how I got to this profession. But like I think that some of the qualities that my parents have instilled in me early on in my life, like do lend itself well to this career because it's a pretty unique career, as you know. And I've uh, I've I've never met someone from Alaska, not Arkansas, as I totally just outed <laughs> myself. But I, I'm I'm a math and science guy, not a not a social studies geography guy. It's but not, not the first time that's happened. Sounds uh sounds like some some dedication, flying even just to you know relatively what what people from the the main forty eight would consider just like a regular tournament. You know, a little road trip here, da da da, all this stuff. So it would be like a month at a time. Yeah. So we would uh practice for a couple weeks before we left and then we would fly so i played two two summers at aau and we would fly to vegas play in a tournament we'd drive to southern california play in a tournament and we'd go back to vegas for like the adidas 64 which is like the big tournament and we'd end up being down here in what alaskans call the lower 48 for like yeah five weeks or so just living oh in hotels traveling. yeah so like if you're if you're a team in out of the lower 48 like yeah you drive for a weekend play go back home whatever but yeah we'd be down here for five or six weeks just playing and eating las vegas buffet food and yeah it was an experience for sure i was gonna say it sounds like the the minor leagues of baseball yeah kind of it was a good experience though like i'm still friends with the people i had on that trip because you spend so, so much, much time together yeah so much time together. that's wild yeah all right so next what are some of those uh childhood stories or things you look back at that was like that was a way bigger moment than I first gave it credit to and I'll give some examples because I gotta hype myself up you know what I'm saying but uh your boy was the top popcorn seller in, in Cub Scouts twice you know hey. so I think that, that was you know super foundational to my entrepreneur mindset and you know just hey. stuff like that yeah that's a great question I for me, I don't know if there was as much like, I'm sure there were big moments, but I think of more so like people in my life that have like made a huge influence. And I think that like throughout my life, whether it was like 
obviously family members and teachers and like mentors, but I think there's just been like very certain people in my life at specific times that have kind of like moved me along the path I've been on. And I think that like, I've just had really, really good people in my corner throughout my entire life. And that's back to my childhood with like my parents, my friends, and like the people I went to church with and like youth groups all the way to when I got into my later high school years and college of like people that directed me in a good direction with basketball and then slowly directed me into a good direction with, with like my professional career. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been very fortunate just to have like really, really good people in my corner that have kind of like uh, guided me along this whole crazy path I've been on. With some of those people, maybe when you were a little older, like late high school, college, did you know in the moment, like, like, oh, this person's impactful, this person's special, or was it more so like, once you were like a year or two in college, then you realized that about those high school people? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say in the moment, you're like drawn to those people, I think, like, you know, that it's different. Yeah, you enjoy being around them. And like, they have like a certain energy to them that you like. But I think that like, I really make the realization after and I look back like my high school basketball coach, um, shout out coach Berg. He was just such a good dude and like pushed me and directed me and helped me with college stuff. Um, and like in the moment, I'm like, yeah, coach Berg's a man. But then looking back on the fact, it's like, wow, that, that guy had like a huge impact on a very important portion of my like life. Like, you know how it is end of high school like you can go so many different directions and I think having somebody like that kind of like hey you want to be a college basketball player let's do this let's do that like was really impactful and then like going to college and and moving away from home and having people that like impacted my life during that time like yeah it was just huge I think to answer your question looking back I I feel their impact but it's not that I don't notice it in the moment Mm. yeah there's definitely that vibe that like catches your attention you're like i don't know what it is but there's just yeah something for sure for sure for sure all right so that's a little bit more about the background but a little bit of an untraditional background uh so now we'll get into kind of the the main questions i was gonna say meat and potatoes but i hate that saying i don't know why (laughs) well we will get into the the main question so what is that kind of biggest fork in the road as obviously this has been about stories and moments but looking back it's like if i had chosen that school versus that school or that teacher versus that teacher or I had two internships and I took one or the other like if you went left instead of right it would all be different yeah so for me it was my junior year at Seattle Pacific so I was an exercise science major and I was in that degree and I knew I wanted to work in sports at that point I was still like thinking about trying to play professional basketball, but I was realizing that like my, I would say my like passion was starting to transition a little bit. And my whole life, it was like basketball, basketball, basketball. I want to play in the NBA, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to Seattle Pacific and I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to get drafted. Like I could potentially play in like a small league overseas, but like, I don't know if that's really what I want to do, but I was thinking like, I want to stay in sports I was in that exercise science major and I began taking these classes like biomechanics and exercise physiology. And I was like, wow, I really, really enjoy this science and side of things. I was under the impression that the best way to do that was to be a physical therapist. So like I told everybody from probably my freshman year of college, like 
I'm going to be a physical therapist because I want to be in sports and I want to like work with athletes and be a part of a team still. And my junior year, I remember being in a class and going back to one of your previous questions, another person that just had a huge impact. One of my professors at Seattle Pacific, um, Dr. Dale Canavan, he was my professor for a bunch of different classes within that degree. And, um, we would talk quite a bit and he was a strength coach before he was a professor. Um, and we would talk quite a bit and he knew I wanted to be a physical therapist. And I remember like we had a conversation after class one day, cause I would always just like go up and ask him questions about stuff we talked about. And he knew my interest level. And he's like, you know what? I feel like you should be a strength coach. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm going to be a physical therapist. I go to school for three years after this. I have a really good job. Like, I'm secure. I can live anywhere I want, like do this. And he's like, yeah, I hear you. But like everything we talk about and everything that I see you're interested in, like you should be a strength coach. And I'm like, I don't know, like we'll see. So that kind of planted the seed. And then from there, I did a internship at a physical therapy clinic and I was there every day. Um, Great clinic, like great people, great experience. But I remember being there and being like, I don't, enjoy this mm-hmm. and like i get breaks and i'd be like using the work laptop to like look up articles about strength and conditioning topics and like everything i could find and i was so green at that point that i was like blown away by everything it was like i saw something about triphasic training and it like blew uh... my mind and i was just <laughs> like all i wanted to do was get back to that laptop and like look up stuff and i remember being there like okay this is kind of weird so then I still hadn't made like the jump yet because I was like, had been so dead set on physical therapy. So, um, I wanted to go to Northern Arizona for PT school. And I thought it would be really helpful to get into school there if I took a visit and like met some people. So I went on a trip and to visit there. And I also got to Washington to Arizona. Yeah. But yeah, at that point I was in Seattle for school. So I didn't have to come from Alaska. Um, so I go and I also tried to like reach out to Exos oh. uh, training facility in Arizona. So when I, I went to NAU and it was cool, like met with a couple people and then I went over to Exos and I remember thinking like, okay, I just got to meet with a bunch of people at the physical therapy school, get us, get a, get a tour and all this stuff. And then I went to Exos and I was like blown away, like in love, like the weight room, I don't know if you've ever seen the facility they have in Arizona, but it's like really, really nice. Mm. Um, but I was like blown away. I was like, this is so cool. When I left, I should have been thinking like, dang, like that really helped my chances with physical therapy school. But all I could think about was like Exos and like athletes. And I think that once I got back from that trip, I was like, all right, I, there's so many things pointing me in this direction of strength and conditioning that I need to just like make the move and like, pursue this because this is truly what I'm like passionate about and I determined that after that trip so from there like I started doing an internship at the University of Washington and I was just like this is freaking awesome so I think that Dr. Canavan like planting the seed in my head of like hey you should be a strength coach and then that trip and like having a comparison of two real world examples of what my life would be like showed me all right this is exactly what you need to do Mm -hmm. For sure. It's it's wild how how everyone kind of like stumbles upon SNC as a thing because it's not the most like 
most high school, well, maybe nowadays because high schools, some high schools have a strength coach. Yeah. But I think I like found it on like Instagram, like my sophomore year of college. I knew I wanted to do exercise science, but similar to you, it started with uh, physical therapy yeah. when I got hurt in high school. I was like, oh my gosh, I can work with athletes. And then I was like, yeah, this is kind of slow. Yeah. And then I did athletic training club. I was like, oh, cool. Just athletes. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of slow. But <laughs> I, I liked all the classes, like just reading about exercise science. And then like, it was something on Instagram, like performance or S or strength and uh, conditioning. Um, but consequently, I think it's also impactful what setting you learn about it from. Let me explain. Sure. No, yeah. Sure. So like I did my internship in the private side and like, as I'm now learning, like, I don't know, it's hard to get a college job without college experience, but like, had I known like college was a thing because my, I, I played at the D2 level. We didn't have a strength coach. Um, had I known and done like an internship at Northwestern X, X Y, Z. So, so I guess next not to spend too much time on it, but like uh, Washington was your, your first stop of, no, no, you shadowed a little bit at Seattle, right? Yeah. So I was my first like internship within the field was at Seattle University. So then uh, take us through a, a brief overview of like that first internship at like Washington. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I started at Seattle University and that was just like the Olympic side and kind of got my feet wet. And then I think at that point in like my life, I was, I dedicated so much time in my life to basketball that I just wanted to experience something different. Mm. And I saw like videos of college football strength and conditioning. And I was like, dang, this is sweet. Like big room, bunch of guys throwing weight around like high energy. So I reached out to Matt King at the university of Washington, who's now the director at UConn, but reached out to him. And I was like, Hey, I really want to intern. And at that point, this was my, this was my junior year at that point. He was like, Hey, we already fill our interns. Like, sorry, maybe next year. So I was like, waiting, 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 got to like probably eight months from then. And I've reached back out to him. Like, Hey, I really want to intern. Like, what can I do? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. Like come in, we'll do like a quick interview. Um, and I got it. And I remember being there and being exposed to that environment. I think this goes to what you just said of like the environment that you were exposed in. And I think it was so drastically different than what I've experienced so far in my life, because being at a small D2 and playing basketball, like we, we had a strength coach who was the track coach and she did a great job, but it was just such a different environment. And I just remember being like, holy cow, like this is awesome. So for a large portion of my career, that's what I was like feeding off of. And I wanted to work within football. And then I got to the point where I was like, this is great, but I think I've like evolved in my career a little bit. And I realized that like basketball is home for me. So that's kind of how I've ended up back working here with the Kings. Uh, for life or for sure, yeah. for sure. It's just, it's just, I understand the culture. Like I love the game. You spend so, t so much time around the sport when you work with a team and don't get me wrong. I love football, but like basketball is like what I love. Yeah, being able to 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 speak that language, you know, it's not like com comfortable, but like you just get it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. what it's what you're you're used to. So, sure. so next, what is the the coolest, craziest story, um, that like you'd always like tell at a bar or when you're just like sharing about your experiences as a as a strength coach, the wildest yeah. thing. I would say it actually happened recently, and it it was 
my first experience in my current role and the hiring process. Well, once I got hired, things went very rapidly. Um, and I got hired and my first thing was summer league. So the NBA summer league, I fl fly out to Vegas. Um, and I get there. It's just like a whirlwind. Was I it feel weird like I, being back as a strength coach? What do you mean? Versus like playing oh. all those, all those years as a, as a kid in Vegas. Yes, it was. So like, that's kind of like, so when I, so when we go on those AAU trips, I'd always go to summer league. We'd like always stop at summer league. Oh, inception. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being like, for some reason, I just loved NBA summer league. Like even when I was at home and I wasn't on like trips, I would like pay money as a high schooler to like, watch. wow, you're dedicated. I was like, I love summer league. So fast forward a couple of years and now I'm like riding to the bus with the Kings and our first game is against the Orlando magic. And we're playing in Thomas and Mac because everybody's hyping it up. It's like one versus four, Paulo versus Keegan Murray. And the arena, there's just like a buzz in the arena. And I'm just like standing on the sideline, like looking around, like this is insane. And like Paulo Bancaro walks past me and he's freaking gigantic. Like the I heard he's huge. He's uh he's like 19 years old and he's like the biggest person I've ever seen. But I'm just like standing there and you like look across the sideline. It's like 50 cents sitting there. Zion Williams is sitting. Williamson is sitting there. And I'm just like, what is going on? And then the game ends up being like, I don't know if you like saw the game or saw the highlights, but it ends up being like crazy. We're down three. They're inbounding the ball with like six seconds left. We get a steal and Keegan hits a three to tie it and send it. to oh. And then it's like they do the the sudden or the uh, like golden goal ending. So like first bucket wins. So it was just like an unreal experience. And I'm just like sitting, I'm like sitting on the bench, just like, this is unreal. Like the fact that, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was like in the stands, like watching summer league being like, wow, this is so cool. All these players. And now I'm like working for a team sitting on the sideline, watching this insane game. Like it was a total like goosebump unreal moment and i bet the the hardest part is you have to play it cool when you meet those yeah. guys yeah and i think that like early on it was like oh wow there's so and so but what you learn very quickly is like they're just they're, they're normal people that are really really good at something mm. that everybody likes to watch like the most normal guys um, for the most part and i'm sure that there's people within different organizations or different sports that might have different personalities but like everybody i've come in contact with is just like normal person great person and and whenever celebrities do talk about stuff like that they're like just say hello like yeah. i'm not some like zoo animal that you're like oh my gosh this is so wild exactly exactly um th this moment happened with with mike actually um so your boy might be uh i have a little following on tiktok just because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm a i'm a try hard it's, it's different and uh we were at niles west with this football team that we were working with and mike is doing his thing and i'm just filming slash helping out but it's just like the the, the talk at the beginning and these two kids in the back kind of like turn turn around they're like are you are you coach big toe i'm like wow. uh, yeah they're like from tiktok i'm like yeah like, no way i'm like yep now now i'm uh, i'm everywhere you can't escape me can um, i can i ask you a question sure 
Coach Big Toe. Is that a play off of your last name? Yes. Or... Okay. Um, I have regular size feet. Um, <laughs> but my so growing up, you know, my dad because it's my dad's last name. Um, got called every variation of toe, toe jam. Got it. All that stuff, and then his license plate was Big Toe. And then when they got married, my mom took Mrs. Toe. And then my brother got, my twin brother got his car a little bit before me and got L-I-L toe because he's the younger twin. And then I was like, well, am I like, and, and I'm like bigger than him as well. I'm like, yeah. am I big toe too? Or am I like, and then my mom basically made my dad agree to give me big toe. And then I bought Mr. Toe and we like traded because all my friends just called him Mr. Toe. So those are our four license plates. But uh, if you see if you see someone going a little too fast on the highway with license plate big toe, it's definitely my dad, not me. So good to know. I was wondering because I was like big toe. Like, do you really interested in feet? Like people ask. Like my, my my dad would get asked if he's like a, a podiatrist for sure. Um. So, but yeah, the, those guys are like normal guys who are just good at what they do, and I think sure. that that's a good perspective. And it's like that's their job. But a uh, 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 comedian had a funny bit. They were talking about like, where else do you buy and wear someone else's work uniform? <laughs> like no one buys a suit and tie about Doug from accounting. You're like, ooh, look, I'm like yeah, Doug that's today. So true. <laughs> that's so true. It's weird. Um, <laughs> something that that met and maybe has not met your expectations about getting to that that elite level of the NBA so far. Just a little follow up question. I would say I don't know what I necessarily expected from the training side of things, but like overall the training age of a lot of the guys I work with is not very high. And I think that the frequency in which you get to train them is potentially high based off how you create the system you want to like work within, like whether you want to train on game days or practice days or whatever it may be. But like the the allotted time that you have on each day is not very long. So I might have like 15 minutes pregame with a with a group of guys and I need to figure out how to be as productive as possible within that 15 minutes. Productive, eh? It yeah. all comes full so, circle. There we go. Um, so I would say that like the training age and and training exposure that you get to them is just like not what I expected. You think of like these elite athletes, and they are elite athletes, like watching these guys in person practice and make plays on the court is like, I could never do that in a million years. Like they're freaks. Um, but then you get them in the weight room and they're very, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of them are like that training age within the weight room does not align with what you see them do on the court. They're, they're elite basketball players, not elite trainers. For sure. For sure. And a lot yeah. of them, it's like, it's just natural to them. They were like born with these genetics and these gifts. So it's not like they necessarily had to like train much. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that that's something that like didn't quite align with what I necessarily thought. I would say something that met my expectations. I would say probably having access to do cool things with different pieces of technology. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. There's a ton of people that have force plates. You don't have to work in the NBA to have a force plate, but it's the, my first experience with a force plate. So like, that's been really cool for me of like 
I have a force plate that I have at the practice facility and I can use whenever I want, do whatever I want with it, do experiments. Um, so that's been really cool. And there's just like different pieces of equipment um, and, and technology that we have within the organization that I've never had access to before. It is, it is cool to have those moments that make you realize that like inside the four walls of a weight room is not as impactful as you think. And I feel like most people in at least like the, the speed space, they have that one moment, like Steve always references, uh, our, me and Mike's boss that like at his Juco where he played in college, he was like, guys had never touched a weight thrown down windmills. Yeah. He's like, there's something about, you know, and, and for me, it was, we had an entire high school basketball team, freshman through varsity come in for a little combine jumps average to above average. Right. And we get to their, their sprints and you watch them run on the track and you're like, oh, oh, oh my, oh my gosh, dude. Like, like how old are you? You know? Yeah. And there are times are average to above average because there's two components to sprinting. You have to hit it the right way mechanics, but then you also have to hit it hard force. Right. Yeah. And just throughout all the years of jumping, cutting, sprinting on such a hard surface and very sturdy shoes, they're like every every basketball player has like calf veins, you know? Oh yeah. Just like such developed lower legs and like a soft upper body, right? It's it's oh. uh kind of funny, but like so I realized that like bounce is a lot more impactful than people think and consequently way harder to get. Um, so it's cool to like have that that realization about that. Yeah. And I think that like the the thing you just said about like the weight room not being as impactful as what you originally thought is like when you get into this field, you're like, oh, the weight room is everything. Like you build these super athletes. And then like, especially working at this level, when like every person that I work with right now would be really, really special and perform really, really well, whether I was working with them or not. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, why are they there? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a tough pill to swallow, but then you find like, okay, if that's, if that's the case, what are things I can do to make an impact? And like, mm, yeah, I, they wouldn't hire strength coaches and they wouldn't have these positions and it wouldn't be um, a field if there wasn't productivity. And I think that there's a lot of impact that you can make in this field. One, because the guy's training age is low. So I think that like you can introduce things to them and yeah, you might not care about taking a guy's vertical from 38 inches to 39 inches, but like there's a lot of different avenues of impact that you can make within this field and with high level athletes that isn't necessarily just making them jump higher. Mm, and you just, sure. I think you just have to be more creative in this field. Like I wear, I wear different hats with my role. Like I handle a lot of the food stuff. And I think that like a lot of these guys, like, haven't ate the best. So it's like, okay, maybe I can make an impact nutritionally and like make sure that there's good snacks and good food after games and, and things like that. So there's impact to be made. It's just not necessarily the impact that you originally think of when you think of like, Oh, I'm going to make him squat 300 pounds. Like that might not be it. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And, and this is a recent wrestling of my own insignificance as I call it. But as you just said, it's like just, an impact, not the way you originally thought. For so sure. I think that that's probably a more uh, healthy mindset to think yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Like you hear, I feel like you hear coaches that are have been in the field for a little bit talk about like, 
the insignificant of it. And it's not that we're like insignificant, like it's just different. It's just different. It's not the initial significant impact that you, you think while there's still like impact to be had there, there's just different avenues. Mm. Yeah. And, and going along those lines, like NFL combine stuff, like 100% guys suck at running and these guys that play five years of college football have never been taught like how to sprint. Right. But like, chances are, if you were going to run a sub four five, you probably knew, we probably knew that before training started, yeah. you know? Um, so, so just a, an interesting kind of perspective shift. So sure. last, last kind of big question, mm-hmm. um, the biggest kind of full circle. And then we got, we got five, five minutes left. Uh, the biggest full circle kind of most proud of moments where like, you know, however long of time it came to kind of realize, like once it closed and you realize it closed, you were like, Oh, that was, everything was how it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would say when I got the call that I got my current role, um, it was something that like, I w- I just like didn't expect it. If you asked me like a year ago, hey, do you want to work in this space? I would be like, oh, I really like the college space. Like the travel is crazy in, in professional basketball and whatever. And then I saw this position listed and I was like, oh, maybe I'm like, maybe I'll see what happens. And then I go through the interview process and it was like a very intense interview process, more intense than I've been a part of. Um, and it was draining, like it was truly draining, like with the multiple interviews and presentations and and things like that. And I get done with everything and it comes down to me and one other person. And I'm like, whenever I go through an interview process, I always put like a timeline in my head of when I should hear from the person. And then I tell myself, if I haven't heard by then, like I haven't got the job. And my wife always is like, Hunter, listen, they're not on your timeline. Like they're on a completely different timeline. You're getting so in your head about like when you think you should hear as opposed to like when you will hear from these people. So I'm like, you're right. She's like kind of my voice of reason in these situations as she is for most things in my life. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, shout out to my wife, the goat. Um, uh, But I remember like, all right, I should hear by Monday and Monday comes and goes nothing. I'm like, all right, I didn't get the job, but like maybe I'll hear by Tuesday, nothing. And it's not until like a week after the last interview and I'm like, all right, at this point, there's not a chance I get the job. And I'm I'm walking out of work at UC Davis. It's like 5.30. I'm just like walking to my car, like just a normal day. And my phone rings from the director. And I'm like, he's calling to tell me I didn't get the job. <laughs> so I pick up. And, you know, you can kind of tell like right away from the tone of somebody's voice, whether it's going to be like a, hey, sorry, man. Oh, or like, hey, sure. And I could like tell from the tone of voice, like, wow, this sounds positive. And then he offered me the job. And I remember just like, almost getting in my car and just like sitting down calling my wife and being like I got the job and like it was just such a surreal moment because I think there was so much like anxiety and stress and pressure built up into that situation and something I wanted like so so bad and to think that I didn't get it for so long because I put these fake timelines in my head and then to get a call like hey you got the job it was just like such an amazing relief and feeling that like was the best I felt getting a call about a position at any point in my career. And also with, with stuff like that is I've had a few interviews is they can kind of shoot themselves in the foot by like giving you a date or a timeline. Um, 
but it's definitely like so nerve wracking. But also there's so many, especially when you get into like bigger orgs, like college or pro, like there's so many checks and balances and you got to talk to this person and that person and X, Y, Z, but it's always like the the test you think you failed that you aced and the test you think you aced, you failed. Uh, yep. But definitely must have been a big moment of relief. For sure. And I, I, along with creating these timelines, and again, when my wife comes into play of like being my voice of reason is every time I get done with it, inter- there's probably been like one or two interviews in my entire life where I'm like, dang, I killed that. Everything else. I'm like, oh, that was horrible. Like, what was this answer? Like, I think back to like my worst answer and I just, like, oh, of course. Yeah. And I'm sure like everybody does this, but it's just like throughout that process, it was like two zoom interviews and an in-person interview. And I just remember thinking like one of the three interviews, I was like, Hey, that pre- went pretty well. The other th- two, I was like, oh, freaking bomb that. So it was just like, I don't, I think if I didn't get in my own head, it would have been such a smooth process, but I was just in my head the whole time. And it was just like, oh, excruciating. What, what I, I do think is interesting is like, uh, as all of these things are, are moments, right? Is like, what is that moment when like whoever was interviewing you was like, that's our guy, yeah. you know, like, cause there was that moment where it's like between two people and then whether it was, I don't know, an answer or just like yeah. a vibe or just like, um, I always think that, that that would be interesting to kind of, have you asked about your interview process? Now that I have, have you, I have a little bit. Um, but I think like for me, it was more telling working at UC Davis and then being on the interviewer side of like, we're hiring for a new position. And then I get to sit in and ask mm-hmm. questions to multiple people. And it, it's really interesting being on that side of things. Cause like, I do think that there's just like a certain vibe that people give off regardless of their answers of like, Oh, I really like this guy or girl or like, uh, I don't know, like, don't get me wrong answers and being like technically proficient and all these things are like hugely important. But I think that like, especially in this field, something I always think is you spend so much time with your coworkers, especially in the team setting of like, do I want to spend 14 hours a day and go on trips with this person? Like, having soft skills and people skills, I think is like hugely important. And that was something that like, I tried to get across, especially like my in-person interview of just like being a normal person and a personable person and not just like a robot that just like answers strength conditioning questions. I I made a a recent podcast episode about this. Uh, Having done three on-campus interviews now, we're like 85% of it is just like small talking. Oh yeah. A way, sure. a way higher percent than, than you would think for sure. For sure. Um, and I think it, if, you, if you get to that stage in an interview process, unless it's the first one, which would be weird, like they do a pretty good job of like figuring out your X's and O's and your knowledge and stuff. So like by that point, I, at least in my opinion, like if I'm bringing people on campus, I'd have a pretty good idea that they are like qualified for the position. And I want to see like what type of person they are. For sure. And, and the, the, the most recent one or the, the second most recent one, mm-hmm. uh, I was flying back and I was like, oh man, I think I just, I think I just messed that one up, you know? And then I realized I was like, wait, my first one and my second one, those were like the exact same days, like literally carbon copies, just different locations, different coasts actually. Weird. And then, huh? That's weird. Or, or just like the itinerary, the, you know, you different have, schools too. Yeah. Huh? Oh yeah, it was like literally got got picked up by the director and then a little campus to, or the itinerary gets sh- shifted around. Yeah. But like it's 
it's a meal with either a, a mm. few strength coaches or a nutrition, physical therapist, XYZ. Go check out the ATs of the sports you'll be working with. Yeah. Tour with a strength coach. And the last thing is always like a chalk talk um, with the director. And those have been the three, each each director did it kind of differently. Mm. But it's like, it's like, it's like not rocket science. Um, so, so consequently, I was more prepared because I was like, I feel like I know how this day is going to go down. And they sent me the itinerary for the, the third one. Um, and I was like, shocker, that's exactly how I thought it was going to go. Uh, so if you're curious, listen to that episode. But um, and then I I left campus and I was like, I knocked that out of the park. And then the uh, the director called or actually, th this is what you were talking about, where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. But like um, I interviewed on a Friday, They'll, we'll let you know by like Monday or Tuesday. I didn't Classic hear back in, until the next Monday or Tuesday. Of course. Yeah, dude. Of course. And uh and basically, like he and one of his uh, assistant directors, big fans, some of the other people, not so much. And that's where it's like, there's so much that that goes on. And um, not to toot my own horn, but he was like, this has happened where I wanted to hire someone I wasn't able to. Um, but I think as long as you're just doing your own thing and you have that vibe, like, yeah, um, I think I'm a decent dude. I, yeah. I guess, um, <laughs> but interviews are wild. I think the whole application and, and interview process is so messed up. Maybe because I've done it for so long. That's a whole different story. But yeah, that's um, I I agree with you that yeah, I I am excited to be on that side of things again and being like the person more in charge of making decisions and like fine tuning a good interview process because like. How can you determine if somebody's going to be a good fit for your organization, your program, your team within three meetings with them? You know, like that's really hard to do. So like, what can you do within those two to three Zoom interviews and maybe a meeting in person to like, all right, this is a person that's going to be good for the next four years. Like that's a hard thing to do, but I think it's also like a fun thing to do. And I, I like being on that side of it. I like being the interviewee but like there's just so much pressure and stress that comes with that so what what is the key to finding out those things in three hours <sighs> i think at this point i would say that you've got to check the box kind of like what we've talked about i think you have to check the box of like technical proficiency of like can if you're hiring a strength coach can he train athletes make them robust make can hear uh hear her make them robust um make them better at their sport and then do they have the personable skills to relate to athletes to build buy-in to relate to coaches and like there's probably more nuanced aspects to each of those categories but like i think if you're a good coach sports scientist whatever it may be and you're able to relate to people well like probably be fairly successful for sure but and then again, enjoyable it, to be around yeah 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 and it comes back to can you determine all that in hour long three hours five hours four hours for sure it, it it's kind of like going on a first date like how, how cool would that be to go on a first date and it's like literally just wear sweats and a sweatshirt like <laughs> we, we we can get dressed up later but it's like if this works out that's what we're going to be wearing 90 percent of the time anyways hey that's a that's a great point 
Um, uh, so I'm I'm thinking about I, I might do that on, on my next first date. Just be like plot twist: we're going cash. Hey, going you should. Casual. You should. That'd be fun. That'd be different. Yeah, more relaxed. Um, probably. It'd probably be a great date, honestly. Yeah, it'd be super chill. Like no, you know, that is that is it. I want to say thank you very much for your time, sir. Just your openness, candidness for yeah. making this happen. Glad we we crossed paths through Coach Mike Sully. Um, sure. who's had a definite impact on, on TSP so far. Um, but before I let you go, I'd like to roll out the red carpet for you and you can shamelessly plug emphasis on shameless, uh, lead plug, whatever you got to plug, where can the people get more of Hunter Eisenhower? Yeah. So I don't have that much to plug really. I think that social media, like if you want to see a little bit more of like what I've done and what I do. I think Instagram's probably the route for that. And that is at Hunter Eyes underscore SC. So that is Hunter E-I-S underscore S C. Um that's also my Twitter handle. But if you follow my Twitter, you're just gonna see a bunch of like retweet retweets about like, I don't know, strength and conditioning in the Kansas City Chiefs. So like if you're not a Chiefs fan, don't follow me on Twitter. Um but Instagram, like yeah, I think that I post the uh post a fair amount and i think that we've given mike plenty of shout outs but i'll give him one more and mike oh, is, man yeah as long as he does not listen to this episode yeah he's been blown up in this freaking podcast but uh <laughs> he was like hey i think it's when he got tc boost he's like you need to start like creating a social media presence and like everywhere i've been so far was like don't post anything on social media like we're in-house like There's and no i think secrets yeah i think that's like a in a uh, little bit of an old school approach which i, which I can explain I can respect, but I also think that like in the day and age we're in now, like social media is so big and that like you can create a presence for yourself and like potentially create different avenues of whatever. But he was kind of in my ear of like, hey, like start posting on social media. And I remember posting my first video at UC Davis, like so uncomfortable when I hit post because I was like, oh, this is weird. Like I've always been told not to do this, but long story short, I post some stuff on there. So if you want to check out what I do or reach out to me, feel free to reach out at any time i'll hit hit you back because i'm not getting flooded with dms i'm not famous or anything so if you hit me up I'll i will see sure, it <laughs> i'll be sure to dm you back yeah steve steve my, my boss always had a good point where it's like how did eric cressy become the director of performance of the yankees without ever working pro baseball yeah boom. he's really he's really good at what he does and people know that he's really good at what he does yep. you know yep. um and just like your social media is your living, breathing resume. That's also how Steve says it. But but I always say like, if you're interviewing for a job and the person dropped the ball and they're like, oh, this person's going to be here in five minutes, check out their their IG really quick, you know? Yeah. Um. But in some of those places of, you know, oh, it's all in-house. It's like, well, how do you use social media to make your place so attractive that people want to work there? Yeah. Like and attract people, yeah. I think that like also in again, the day and age now of like how big social media is, is like it potentially is a recruiting tool too. Mm -hmm. Like if, a, if a, so college football, like the amount of personalities in college football strength and conditioning is insane. But like you think of Aaron Feld at Miami, like he's created this persona and recruits know him. Like they know him through social media and for better or worse, like maybe it hurts him, but it probably helps him. Does he get that job without social media? And that's that's another thing that I always go back and forth on is like, if you create a social media presence, will that help you get a job down the line? And it's like, I would argue that if you put quality content out and like 
people know who you are and they see your resume roll across their desk, like it can't hurt mm. and unless, it, unless it, you're putting out horrible training content. Yeah, it looks but, but consequently it is what you want to make it. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, so uh, another like example I say is like, if, if someone scrolled through your thing for five minutes and they summarize it in one sentence, what would you want that sentence to be? And you can make it that sentence. You yeah. can like work backwards, you know, for sure. You're completely in control of, of what you're putting out mm. for sure. So that'll be in the, in the show notes. So I want to say thank you very much again, sir. And uh, sure. I'm looking forward to chatting next. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate you.